Uh, I have spent a, a chunk of time in this room. Uh, I have been here for conferences. I've been here for the Men's No Regrets Conference. And uh, I'm just grateful for the kind of ministry and friendship and connection we can have in this region of Wisconsin. I'm grateful for people like Jeff Hines and Dan Shields and Ramon Moses and Steve Clements and Jolene Fenwick and Dan McDonald and all kinds of people uh, that call this community home. And um, not to mention the partnership that we have had. Uh, for the last two years, we have prayed together and thought together about planting a campus in Rhinelander. And that's a huge reason why we even move forward uh, to change our name. We were St. Germain Evangelical Free Church until this year. We're now North Life Church. When you live in the North Woods, that's a big deal. Uh, the North is important to who we are and our identity. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Thus, North Life Church. And we are now one church in two locations, North Life St. Germain and North Life Rhinelander. And that would not have happened apart from you and apart from partnering together with you for the kingdom. So it's just good to be with you. Uh, by way of introduction, again, I'm married to Wendy. Uh, we've been married 25 years. We have four daughters. That's a high calling. Uh, four girls. That's a that's a high calling as a dad. Uh, at times, I have felt like the king of our home, at other times, like the janitor. <laughs> um, but actually, our home is now uh, an empty nest. Our girls are grown, and they are away. Our oldest is married. This is a picture from Claire's wedding two summers ago. Uh, and so, we have a wonderful son-in-law, Dylan. He loves our daughter, Claire. He loves Jesus. I'm not going to lie. It's good to have a guy around the house. <laughs> Uh, it just is, man. Uh, he likes a lot of the same things I like. He, he hunts, he rides motorcycles, he uses chainsaws. Uh, sometimes I just have him over to lift heavy things with me. So, but being the dad of, of girls is really a great honor. Very seriously, it feels like God has made me to do this. Have you ever felt that way about something in your life? Like God made you to do it. Like, you have been called by God. Like, he has tapped you on the shoulder. Well, in the scripture before us today, we get a glimpse of one man's calling personally from the physical Lord Jesus himself. This was a man called Peter, and our text is Luke 5, 1 through 11. If you want to turn there with me. You can, Luke 5, 1 through 11, and our focus is going to be on three ways that Peter responded to the calling of Christ. He was available, he was honest, and he was trusting. Uh, this year, our church has focused a lot on Peter. We went through uh, his New Testament letter of 2 Peter. I don't know if you've had this experience before when you are kind of focusing on something in your own walk of faith. Everywhere you turn, it seems that that thing is kind of being brought up. I went to a theology conference re uh, uh, recently and Peter was the focus. I don't know if you've seen uh, the series The Chosen, but I really appreciate their portrayal of Peter in that. It's got my kind of imagination stirring. And this is the beginning, his calling, and his threefold response. In verses 1 through 5, he was available. In verses 6 through 8, he was honest. And in verses 9 through 11, he was trusting. That's our plan 
Would you pray with me one more time? Gracious Heavenly Father, we're here today. This is a unique gathering. Uh, we will never be gathered exactly like this again. Totally unique today. And so we trust that you are at work. Your son promised where two or more are gathered in his name that he would be present. So we trust, Father, that your son is present here with us. Lord, we will lean in. We will listen to you. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the first thing we notice about Peter is that he was available with his stuff, specifically with his boat. Look with me at Luke 5, 1 through 5. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, that's Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. All right. The setting is this kind of wide angle shot, and there's a lot there. And what we see first is Lake Gennesaret, or the Sea of Galilee. Uh, the Sea of Galilee is actually a lake. There wasn't a difference in the Hebrew language at the time between the words lake and sea, and so it has been called many things over the years. The Sea of Galilee, Lake Galilee, Lake Tiberias, and Lake Gennesaret. This is the only gospel account that calls it Lake Gennesaret. At almost 700 feet below sea level, it's the uh, lowest freshwater lake on earth. Uh, four years ago, my wife and I were able to be there and on the water. It's beautiful. Today, Israelis call it Lake Kinneret. Uh, that's Hebrew for violin. The overall shape of the lake looks a little bit like a violin. So they're there by the water. Jesus must have been teaching near Capernaum because that was Simon Peter's hometown. A huge crowd of people had gathered and they were coming to Jesus for the right reason. Verse 1 says that the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God. That's a good thing. It's a good thing to want to gather and listen for God. By the way, have you ever been on the outside of a huge crowd pressing in? Uh, when I was in college, there was a large area on our campus called the Quad. I kind of wonder how many campuses around the country have a place they call the Quad. But the, the school we went to had a place called the Quad. And we would walk between classes and, and crisscross the Quad. Most of the time, uh, our heads were kind of down and we were shuffling uh, to where we needed to be next. But I remember one time uh, coming upon an open-air speaker. Every now and then, there'd be a musician in the quad, or in this case, there was the speaker, and it turned out he was this Christian guy, 
that went from campus to campus talking about the Lord and about faith and about taking next steps. And I cringed a little bit, but he was good. And he was standing there with his little microphone and his little speaker. And I pressed in on the outside to hear the word of God spoken. And I could hear him pretty well because he had amplification, but I was on the outside of the crowd. For Jesus in this crowd in Luke 5, it was harder to hear. And so in verse 3, Jesus asked to use Simon Peter's boat. By the way, this is Peter, Simon's boat. In, in Hebrew culture, often they had two names. This is Simon Peter. And his boat became the pulpit for Jesus with the Sea of Galilee as his sound system. Have you ever been in a remote area at the water's edge? Uh, we live on a, a small lake, a 30-acre lake up in Eagle River, and, and I have been at the edge of the lake on a still day, a quiet day, and been just quiet. And I can hear from across the lake somebody talking with a normal voice. Water, uh, 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 sound just kind of gets amplified and, and travels over water in a really unique way, and that's what... Jesus and the people there experienced in that moment. And just listen to me for a second. Some of the people there were becoming followers of Christ in that moment. Right as they were listening to Jesus. Their hearts and their minds were, were stirring. And they were responding because they were listening and they were present. At the simplest level of all, a disciple is someone who first listens to Jesus. We want to hear God. We've gotten to the end of our rope. This is how following Jesus always begins. We just listen. For them, at that time, it meant going to hear him in person. For us, it means opening up God's word. It means reading the gospel accounts. It means dwelling on them, taking some of this today into our week. It means praying, God, would you speak to me? Would you, would you guide me? Would you lead me? Would you sustain me and help me? I'm lost apart from you. Lord, I need you. At the base level, we just listen. God's word says that faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Peter listened, but then Peter was also available. He was just available with his stuff. Peter was willing to give Jesus his time and, and the use of his resources. I can imagine at first Peter, when Jesus got in the boat, walking up to the boat, and uh, it's kind of on the shore, and so he, he holds on to the gunnel of the boat, and he just walks it out to thigh-deep water, and he anchors the boat there on that calm, still morning. Kids are probably down the shore skipping rocks. Other fishermen are working. Seagulls are flying overhead. And Jesus is teaching, and basically, Peter is there untangling his nets, cleaning his nets, and he stops and he looks up and he listens. He just starts to listen to Jesus. And then in verse four, 
Jesus is done teaching and he tells Peter basically, look, we're here. I'm in the boat. Why don't you get the nets? Why don't you, why don't you show me what you do, Peter? Let's go fishing. Inevitably, Jesus uses our availability in a special way, in a personal way, and he says, take the next step with me. I'm with you. Let's do this together. That's what Jesus did with Peter. I mean, Peter questioned Jesus at the beginning of verse 5, but he was ultimately available with his stuff in the end. And we can sympathize with Peter's uncertainty about the direction that Jesus gave him regarding fishing. What does a teacher know? What does a carpenter know? Peter had likely, well, the text tells us he'd been up all night. That's the time to fish. If you're going to fish with nets, that's the time to fish. Not when the sun is out, but at night. Generally, the fish don't surface during the bright hours of the sunshine. It was better to fish at night. They've been exhausted from fishing all night. They had their nets laid out, cleaned, untangled. They were probably this close to going to bed. And Jesus says, let's go fishing. Pick it all up. Let's, let's go out. And, and what, what a moment. Peter had an opportunity, and he could have said no. He had a choice to make, and he said yes. Somehow he knew personally this man is worth trusting everything to follow. However reluctant he was, he obeyed. He did what Jesus asked. He was available with his stuff. He was available with his own person, with his very self. And this shows that Peter was on his way to becoming a disciple. The, the mission statement of Highland has something in it about taking your next step. Peter took a next step here. He's willing to do what Jesus said. Even before he could figure it all out, this really should encourage our faith because we struggle and we have doubts on our own, uh, of our own, but, but we see here disciples that God used. They had doubts and they had some questions too. But it leads to Peter's next response that he was honest. So he was available with his stuff and then he was honest with his faults. He was just gut level honest with who he was. What happens next is that they catch a lot of fish. Jesus sort of uses Peter's love language. You like fishing? I'll show you fishing. You work hard at this? I'll show you what it really looks like. Uh, verses six through eight. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. After the fish are hauled into the boats... And the fishermen realize it's a miracle. By the way, we might reason it away, rationalize it away, have some kind of uh, 
explanation. Other people, even at the time, might have had an explanation. These fishermen knew it was a miracle. They knew it. They knew that this would not have happened if Jesus hadn't made it happen. And so Peter hits his knees right there in the boat. When we truly make our lives available to the king, there will be a time where we will just be humbled before him. Eventually, wherever we are, true followers of Jesus surrender to him in honesty. We're just honest. This was a pivotal moment for this man who would go on to be such an important disciple of the Lord. Uh, Kent Hughes says this about Peter. The Gospels are full of Peter. No disciple spoke as often as Peter. Our Lord addressed him more than any other of his followers. No disciple was reproved by Jesus as much or as strongly as Peter was. He was also the only disciple who thought it his duty to reprove Jesus. He was impulsive, one of those souls who acted first and thought afterward. Uh, Ready, fire, aim. No disciple ever so boldly confessed and encouraged Christ, and none ever bothered our Lord more than he did. When I think of Peter, I think of a flawed man, but I think of um, somebody who was earnest and was willing to grow and wanted to grow and was hungry to grow. His highs were high, his lows were low, But right here, he was just being honest. This was a gut-level response. This was a pivotal event in Peter's life. And it got me thinking a little bit just about mine, about my own journey. Maybe this will get you thinking about yours as well. When was a pivotal follow Jesus moment in my own life? If this story, which it does, uh, this story follows the phrase, on one occasion, what if I started a story on one occasion and told you about a time where I know I I was following Jesus, that was my intent at least, I was following Jesus. What would that look like? What story of mine could follow that phrase? This is my attempt at that. On one occasion... I was sitting above I-90 traffic in an oasis near Chicago with a steaming cup of Starbucks coffee on the small table next to my journal. I was praying, and I sensed the spirit of Jesus calling me to follow him. Eventually, I left behind a career of resolving engineering problems with planning and permitting, for a vocation of resolving spiritual problems through biblical leadership and prayer. I remember that day in the Chicago area. I don't know if you know those oasis uh, where they're like a bridge above the, the interstate and you can get, uh, there's restaurants and there's, uh, there was a Starbucks there at the time and, and I had felt like the Lord was calling me to be a pastor. And so I took a day off of work as an engineer and I drove into Chicago and I had a meeting with a seminary professor and I, and I drove back and, 
I remember sitting there and praying, Lord, is this what you want me to do? And I, I, I pulled out the journal. I, I, I rummaged around in my basement and found the journal from that time. And it's kind of an easy day to find because for whatever reason, I was writing in a, in a, with a red pen at the time. And, and uh, there's this, this writing of, of red pen. And I'm not much of an artist, but I drew this, this picture of this highway going this way and this other highway going that way. And it felt to me like there was a future before me and a past behind me. And what I found as I was looking at this all before and all around this moment were prayers of confession. Prayers where I was just crying out to God, Lord, I don't know what to do. I'm not any good at this. I'm not strong enough. I mess up too much. But that was the day that I knew I was called to take this specific next step to follow Jesus. And my point is this. What I've experienced in my life and what I see in Scripture here in Peter's response is this. A glaring awareness of our own imperfections. In response, Peter was just honest with his faults. He just hit his knees right there in the boat. Do you have a day like that? Have you had a response like that? Not everyone's called into vocational ministry. That's not the point. That's not what I'm saying. But Jesus is calling all of us to follow him. Have you heard his voice? Not, not audibly, but have, have you sensed his voice? Him speaking to your heart and to your mind. Do you remember some important season or a day or a moment when this sort of thing happened to you? Crucial in our response is honesty with our sin, our pride, our faults. Following Jesus doesn't mean we know all of the implications, but it does mean we're just available. And we're, we're honest. That's who Peter was. And next, he was, he was trusting. That's who Peter was in these moments of this pivotal time in his life. He was trusting with his steps. Yes, he expressed some, maybe some hesitation in verse 5. But eventually, he was trusting. Listen to verses 9 through 11. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they, that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. After Peter had made his honest confession, right there in the midst of his work world, Jesus' first response to Peter is, don't be afraid. What do you think Jesus was teaching on in the boat just before this? The text doesn't tell us. 
But what do you think he had been teaching on? What Old Testament scripture could he have been camped in just minutes earlier? Could it have been Joshua 1.9? Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Could it have been Isaiah 41.10? So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. For I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Or maybe Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever puts his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Or maybe yet Psalm 46, 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. We don't know what Jesus taught on, but the most repeated command in all of Scripture is, do not be afraid. The text here just lets us know that that's the first, that, that's the first response Jesus has to Peter being honest with him. Luke's the author. His role was a data collector. His job was to get the story right. I bet you he found Peter himself and heard the firsthand account of this. This was a moment Peter never forgot. That his partners in his fishing endeavor, that they never forgot. On this day, he couldn't have known all that would happen next, but he was trusting with his next steps. This was a pivotal day. Peter and those with him never forgot. Do you remember have you heard the voice of Jesus? There are just certain times that are pivotal. A friend of mine in the Northwoods calls these watershed moments. Where you make a decision and it could go one way or the other. A decision or an experience that changes the course of your life. Now, interesting for Peter, this was not the first time he met Jesus I think probably reading this growing up and even reading this into my adult life as a follower of Christ, I always thought maybe this was the first time Peter had met Jesus and he just left everything and followed him. He had likely met Jesus two or three times before. In John 1.41, it was Peter's brother Andrew who met Jesus first and then brought Peter to him. In this Gospel of Luke in chapter 4, in the verses just right before this story in verse uh, verses 31 to 32, Jesus is teaching with authority in Capernaum. In verse 38, Jesus leaves and go to, goes to Peter's house. In verse 39, Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law and heals a lot of other people. And then it appears he spends the night in Peter's home and then leaves the next morning at daybreak. Peter had met Jesus before. But this was arguably the most pivotal point in his life. How many of us on our journey of faith can say the same thing? That we've encountered Christ, that we've known of him, but there was a pivotal day and maybe even, maybe even today's that day where God is just stirring in you and Jesus is more clear because of his word than he's ever been before, and it, it happens. That's how God works. This was the day that he, along with his brother and his partners, left everything and followed Jesus. This is the story 
of Peter's calling. And it happened because he was available and he was honest and he was trusting. So, here's the bottom line. Peter followed Jesus completely, so should we. Let's not make it complicated. This is the call of God on your life, on my life. Peter followed Jesus completely, so should we. Now, it's personal for each of us. God is working in our lives uniquely and personally. I love that about our creator and the way that he works, but the call is to follow the same Lord, God the Son, Jesus Christ. Some follow from a boat, others from land. For some, surrendering to Christ means that there might be a job shift in the process. For others, it most clearly means staying exactly where you are and following Christ with integrity and clarity and allowing the transformation of your character to speak volumes to the people around you. It will be unique for all of us, but then again, there's going to be some commonalities. We must all repent and surrender and say, Lord, I need you. Jesus, I trust you. I give you my life. For Simon Peter, it didn't happen all at once. Jesus worked through the circumstances of his life, but eventually he surrendered completely to Christ. He was available with his stuff. He was honest with his faults. He was trusting with his steps. Whatever the specific details in our lives, our response should be the same. We should be moving in a direction where we're less dependent on our stuff and more dependent on Jesus. We're worrying less within our lives and our work lives and we're trusting Jesus more and more. Less focus on self, more outreach to others. In the end, Jesus turned Peter's focus from fishing for fish to fishing for men. Whoever we are, when we follow Jesus, we will be more aware of him and others. And so today, this is my encouragement to you. Be available. Be honest. I find in my life, when I am gut-level honest before the Lord... And so often, I, I just, I have to do it this way. I think and I pray well, best sometimes with a pen in my hand. But I just find when I'm honest before the Lord, I breathe in fresh air. I know his presence and the confidence of his forgiveness in my life. Be available, be honest. And friends, take that next step. Trust Jesus, follow him completely. Let's bow our heads. Lord, thank you. Uh, you are good. Your love endures forever. And again, this unique group of people, Lord, that you've called here today, we are just present before your word opened in our midst. We are worshipful with our hearts and I, I thank you that we can do life together in this way and that we can see your example and the story and the account of your son. And so I pray for uh, open hearts that are responsive to your presence, available 
honest and trusting. May we follow Peter's example in this and just say yes to you. Thank you again for your word and for the Spirit's work in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.